back, boys and girls. You are now listening to the highest rated podcast of ever all time. That last part might be a lie. What you are actually listening to is Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Um, if you are a longtime listener, thank you for returning to us in the new year. It is 2015 now. If you're a new listener, uh, I'm going to ask you longtime listeners to uh, bear with me for a second. Uh, so new guys, here's the thing. Uh, here's what we do here. My name is Kevin. Uh, I run a site called ChunkyGlasses.com. Uh, I have a lot of friends and contributors that help out running that site. What we do on that site is talk about all kinds of music in all kinds of ways. Uh, one of the ways that we do that is this here podcast. Uh, so on this here podcast, I have a basement. I have a lot of instruments and recording equipment in that basement. I also have a couch, a chair, uh, occasionally uh, a cat named Gus, uh, and uh, every week, invite my friends over, and uh, we come down here, we eat some snacks, uh, we consume some adult beverages, some beers, some whiskey, whatever whatever you're feeling here, and then we, uh, we talk about music. Specifically, we will talk about reviewing uh, major releases, sometimes not so major releases, sometimes some stuff that you, uh, you haven't really heard of, but a lot of times it, it's sort of skewed toward the, the larger stuff. Uh, this year being 2015, we're gonna actually going to start talking and featuring um, about one local track or smaller track a week. Uh, this week, it's Stranger in the Alps. Um, and then it uh, goes on for about an hour, and then we, uh, we shut up. We turn it off, and we leave it to you. And hopefully, at the end of these conversations, you're like, wow, I, I, I'm really interested in, in seeing about this music that they're talking about. Or you're like, guys... You're complete idiots. Either way, uh, we got you in to listen for an hour. Uh, but that is, that is what we do here. Um, and so it being 2015, uh, this is the first podcast of the year. Uh, we had some unfinished business, though, from 2014 because after we did all the list, after we shut down for a month, uh, one D'Angelo and the Vanguard uh, dropped an album that some people say it was the best album 2014 i'm not sure i disagree uh but i do know uh even if it wasn't the best it was is a is an outstanding record uh by my measure that's a little spoiler for you for the conversation coming up so i wanted to get that out of the way before we dive into stuff like sleater kinney uh, father john misty uh the decemberist bell and sebastian uh, some of the larger releases coming in February. Uh, invited Adam over uh, as usual. He's usually on most of these. And invited our friend uh, Brian over. Uh, who has, uh, He was on the year-end podcast talking about Sturgill Simpson. But he's been around here and there. We're going to try to get him on more often this year. So uh, actually invited Marcus Dowling over as well. Something happened. Had to cancel. It's cool. It happens. I think we got it, Marcus. I think I think we hopefully we did your vision of this album or what you were thinking about it. hopefully covered it in some way because i think we generally uh, align a little musically on that front uh so yeah so came over sat down in the basement drank a little whiskey talked a little d'angelo uh taped it and now you can put it in your ears right now so without further ado uh here is episode number 97 of chunky glasses the podcast uh talking about d'angelo and the vanguards 2014 album. It Black happens Messiah. here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man. Really, two words of you. Just 
shit sandwich. That right there is a logical fallacy. Podcast. There we go. Already had a bailage. Marcus <laughs> Dallin was supposed to come over. He shoulder rolled. Uh, he shoulder rolled. Uh, instead, we got uh, Adam Dawson hey, back man. in the basement. Mr. Bruner. Hey. This is your first like on a mic official official podcast. His first one. Starting off 2015, I guess. Right. We'll see, we'll see how <laughs> that goes. Uh, so uh, basically, we're gonna do 2015. Uh, a little backwards, talking about today an album that came out in 2014. So this is going to be three white guys talking about D'Angelo now. Exactly. <laughs> Who better to talk about D'Angelo than three exactly, white guys? You know, but the thing is, I tried to get uh, a lot of people on, and a lot of people were sort of scared of this album. Um, yeah, it's, it's an of, atypical album. It's an atypical album, which we're going to get into uh, that. Um, but it, it basically rounded out the year and just sort of dropped out of nowhere mm-hmm. after we did everything. So uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, going to get into a little uh, sort of local music in a second. First, I want to talk about something that popped up at the uh, end of the year. Uh, an article, seeing how do you pronounce his name, Adam? Joya. Ted Joya. Ted Joya. It was uh, running the Daily Beast. Looks like it was back in March, but it uh, ran across my Facebook feed. Talking about music criticism has degenerated into lifestyle reporting. Mm-hmm. And basically, the whole gist of the article is that what we're writing about these days, what we're talking about is not necessarily music, but like, whoa, bro, you know, the drinks were sweet at this. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I, I won't name any publications here in town, but uh-huh. there are some that like yes. engage in that. What, what, what were people wearing on stage rather than right. what were they playing on stage? Right, right. Kind of Which uh, prompted a hilarious, uh, uh, hilariously, uh, ironic response from Pitchfork, mm. apparently, where they were like, no way, bro. And it's like, well, he's talking about you. Right. <laughs> um, and your stuff. Uh, but, like, what do you guys feel about, about is is that where we're going? Well, I I, I would absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm going to defer to Ted Joya on a lot of cases. I mean, that guy's, he's he's an old school music critic. Yeah. Um, and he's he's a, an amazing musical author, uh, not in terms of being a musician, but in terms of history and criticism. He wrote... In 97, The History of Jazz, which is, is like, you know, probably yeah. one of the best books I've ever read, the, the best book I've ever read on the subject. Um, and he, in that particular book, he does, he did like a little bit of, of lifestyle stuff, but only in terms of, of, of making the context giving you like contextual background for how the music was being created. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll tell you about, he would talk about, I don't know, uh, um, Bud Powell's mental illness and how that kind of right. translated to uh, to his music, or or you know Jaco Pistorius's mental illness, or um, sure. Char- Charlie Parker's heroin addiction, and, and and like the way they spoke to one another and the way they related to one another. But that that took 
that was just basically like a little platform um, for the actual musical analysis and criticism to stand on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll agree with them because it's it's been a while since I've read something in, say, you know, Rolling Stone, even even like the record reviews in Rolling Stone mm-hmm. uh, or, or Spin or any of those magazines, yeah. they, they seem to be a little light on actual, um, you know, professional musical analysis. Yeah. And they're heavy on feels, you know, yeah. how it makes me feel. Here's how this music makes me feel specifically. Yeah. And here's how it might make you feel specifically. But they're not telling me really anything about like, you know, uh, it's those damn millennials. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean like to hate to it's, be the old guy, you know, shaking his yeah, fist yeah. at the kids and shit, but like, yeah. you know, he's got a point, I think. Well, this article gets into, uh, a lot of saying that you should, um, talk more about the actual, uh, mechanics of the music. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I agree going down that road so far. I mean, I think you and I could, I don't know if you can, Bruner, but you know, a lot of times like, uh, what what I'm seeing more and more is people, uh, and the reason the pitchfork was ironic is because this is exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. They're writing about themselves writing, yeah, and they're writing about maybe how uh, this was a part of their life, which you know they're in college and this is just a jam. It's not actually about the piece of music in front of them, um, and there's a time and a place for that. There is, uh, but if it's position as like an actual music criticism like here's our rating of the album and then this is why is because this whole story i'm telling you about my life uh or about you know how cheap the drinks were right i I don't know that doesn't help me that doesn't help me as a music fan though that that, maybe that that might help me as a guy who likes you know like rich writing and quality stories but it doesn't help me as a music fan i can think of an example of, of something that happened relatively recently that really got on my nerves. There's this wonderful little book series out called 33 and a third. Mm -hmm. And, um, what they're doing is, you know, for each one, they kind of give you an in-depth look at, uh, the making of the album, the history of the band and the recording of an album, an album that turns out to be like their seminal work, you know? So for like, uh, they did, uh, you know, Gentlemen by the Afghan Whigs and What's Going On by Martin Gay and Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones. And all Martin these- Gay? Martin's Martin, cousin? Yeah, is that Martin, Marvin's Martin, brother? Yeah. Did I say Martin Gay? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bob Gay, you know. Um, yeah, but, but, uh, Martin, but you know, you know what I mean. Um, and, but, and they were all great, but, uh, you know, and I was excited and I've, I've, I've pretty much read every one. And then I get to the one about um, Let It Be by, not the Beatles, but the replacements. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, expecting the same kind of format in which I'm getting like that great musical history. And I'm also getting, you know, some stuff into the technical and recording aspects and how it was done. Um, And instead, what I got was like, you know, basically this whole story about the author growing up and and feeling weird and feeling ostracized and all that shit. And that's fine. But that's not why I bought the book. Right. You know, I'm looking for insight that I'm I'm not able to get on my own. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's like, you know, I mean. The a guy song we're gonna play in a second here, uh, Steve from Stranger in the Alps actually, mm-hmm. as I posted this on on Facebook once I read it, and he he was like, well, sometimes music is lifestyle reporting. That's true too. Sometimes, but um, I also think they're not doing a service to music fans. Yeah. Um, and I also think they're they're underestimating the intelligence of your average music listener. I mean, like. Uh, Joya made a point in that article that I really liked in the sense that like when you watch football, 
you know, there'll be some, some tight end who played eight years in the NFL and he's offering commentary and he's, uh, you know, telling you, uh, you know, he's, he's explaining all these really intense, you know, plays and like how the, how the defensive, mm-hmm. Uh, system is working and, and he, you know, he's using really Your technical jargon. Sports ball. Mm-hmm. But, but, but the point is the point and or even and, and Joya brings this up as well. Even when you're like, you know, I can't balance my fucking checkbook. But if I ever turn on like business radio or something, yeah, they're they they're working under the assumption that if you don't know what you're what we're talking about, like you'll get it eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, if we keep talking about it instead of just sort of offering you like platitudes and and. Yeah. And saying this is good and this is bad and, you know, and this is how this makes me feel. You know, music. Which you just blew our rating system for 2015. No, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Music critics should not be afraid to talk in musical, like use musical jargon. Um, And I think by offering that and explaining it to people, um, you're you're helping them get more out of music. Mm-hmm. You know, and if all you're doing is working on lifestyle, like, you know, uh, I don't particularly, I don't, I don't, I'm, I have no interest in being friends with any of these rock guys or these celebrities. Right. I don't want to go camping with them. Right. They don't owe me anything right. except like a decent performance if I pay to see them and some good music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as speaking to someone who doesn't give a shit who the bass player from some band is banging, you know, then, then. Uh, then in that sense, yeah, music criticism is is failing a lot of yeah. us, you know? Yeah. I, I actually brought this up because something I, I noticed last night was at a show. Uh, won't name the band, won't name the venue, but mm-hmm. uh, I've been noticing it a lot lately. And it is that stuff like Pitchfork, Stereogum, this like commodification of, of criticism in quotes, I think has, has done – Two things, or one thing, but it has a very good side and a very bad side. The the good side is is that talking about bands you would never hear of mm-hmm. ever, um, and so you have people who are interested in going out and supporting these bands like in a live setting or buying their records and stuff. The bad side is that I think is made uh, going to a show for a lot of people just like they don't it, it doesn't matter that the band's there. Mm-hmm. They aren't really concerned about the band. The show we were at last night, um, you know, fully like seventy five percent of the audience was just chatting yeah and 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 that's that's different than that one person you know one group of people at the 930 club who just won't shut up like this is from a point in the room all the way to the back it it's now a bar and the bar's upstairs you know and uh i i don't know what if you can do anything about that, but it's off putting i mean daria left the show like there are people who are sitting back and they're like you know i wanted to hear the band they did sell a good amount of tickets. I can't really get to the front, but I, there's no point in me standing here because right. I can't see what's going on. Right. Um, and I think this type of reporting has something to do with it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So we'll be, uh, I know people are in 2015 are starting. The big word is, is long form. You know, we're doing long form journalism. Well, that's now. fine. I'd rather have that. Yeah. Like, like, we'll be interested to see what it is because what I've seen so far, at least locally, uh, is, Long form is telling a story, right. and ninety nine percent of the time involves Fugazi. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we'll put a link to that in case you hadn't read the article. It's a fascinating article, I, and I didn't. Um, I don't want to give pitchfork traffic, but I'll put the link to that one too. Their response because it, it is fairly hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. My opinion, Joya could write circles around the best guy pitchfork. Absolutely. Has, Absolutely. You know. Um, so 
another thing what we want to try to do in 2015 is uh if if you haven't listened to this podcast before basically we, we drink and argue about records uh but we aren't very much cheerleaders for stuff or just like basic exposure to stuff so i want to dip our toes into that uh, and try to start featuring an artist it could be local it could be just a smaller artist a, a weird track we heard what was it sex helicopter mm-hmm. we heard sex helicopter <laughs> uh this week though kicking it off it is a, a local dc artist uh you guys haven't heard this song in fact nobody's heard this song uh stranger in the alps steve shapley who's, who's steve he shapley is, so steve is is a uh he's he's a uh how do I put it? He's, he's a solo artist that has a, a huge musical posse. Uh, one of the members of which is Louis Weeks, mm-hmm. uh, which we talked about before. Which side of the river is he on? He's here. Okay. He, I believe he is in Mount Pleasant. Right. Um, uh, so he is in D.C. Uh, and he, he's been playing a lot of house shows. He has played a few times with the Black Cat. Uh, it's sort of this ever-expanding. He, he makes these albums, at least his last album, was a little smaller right. group of people, but this album uh, that he has coming out, and we're going to hear the title track, Pattern Matching, um, is is way more expanded, um, and, it, and it's a bigger sound because he keeps finding these really good people to play with other people uh, and say, hey, you want to come help me make my album? Sean Barnett played on the album. Okay, on sure. So uh, let's play a song and uh, see what you guys think of this. Okay, this is Pattern Matching. Okay. Metaphysical trainer told me that I'm weak in the knees. Metaphor and man told me I had the challenge disease. I told the ball, baby, I can't resist. The circular song I ain't cut out for this Well you know I only paint With colors that I see Got the whole sky in front of me But I ain't free I'm pattern matching Pattern matching Pattern matching Saw some easy salesman Told me both sides are the same I saw late prisoners Told me it's an insider's game I told the magic guy You get what you see The elephant in the room, he won't remember me. We know I only bring home phrases that I've heard. Pick it up and turn this thing around. You know I'm bound to pattern matching. Pattern matching. 
right, so it's pattern matching uh, the, the title track of his upcoming LP. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Um, it's not bad. He's he's not exactly breaking a lot of new ground. No. Um, you know, he's okay. But I don't think you have to. No, no, Sometimes. there's no, yeah, you, you know, not everything, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Right. Um, it wasn't bad. That, uh, it felt a little like guitar style. It felt a little like cat, I don't know, almost cat Stevens Z. Uh-huh. Look at that. You know, <clears throat> and then, uh, vocally, uh, vocally, the guy isn't doing a lot for me. Right. Um, and I, again, I hate well, to sound dickish. No, but, it's, it, it's it's a it's a weird it's it's a mellow sound. Um, I've been listening. I, I have the whole album. I've been listening to it a good yeah. bit. Um, and it uh, when I when I've mentioned it to him, it's talked about the comparisons to Beck. You know, saying fish, sure, and stuff. Which, as all artists do, they say no, maybe not, but it, yeah, it does. But it's, it, it, it pulls it's there. in pulls in yeah. stuff like that, which is fine. You yeah, know, your influences are your influence. Yeah, you know, where you're. You're, you you can't get your influences from the future, right? So you know, and 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 I understand wanting to wanting to uh, you know distance yourself from stuff that might be considered like I don't know uncool or embarrassing or something. But yeah. I mean, you know, they 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 stick out like hard ons, you know, yeah. whether you want them to or not, <laughs> man. You know, I get uh, vocally, I get um, I don't know. It's kind of a mix between Jose Gonzalez and uh, Nick Drake a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if you guys hear that. Sure. At all. Yeah. But I was, as I was saying, like the first few seconds of the song, I thought I was getting ready to start listening to Illegal Smile. <laughs> all right, well, this is all right. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't offensive, though. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a good song. I mean, as, as and he's uh, an indie rock fan, I don't know if he'd completely identify with that. Like, you know, it's often cites Wilco as a, as a reference point, like definitely in sure. there and stuff. Um, I think uh, I, I've seen him once now. I saw him at a house show at the uh, the Rat Palace, mm-hmm. and thought they were a uh, super weird jam band. Who's in his band uh, right now? I, I don't know everybody who's band. Sean's played drums on it. Uh, Louis Weeks, I think, produced this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a collection of the people who in DC who aren't necessarily punks. Okay. Uh, which uh, and that's so that was of, what I was saying when I was listening to that. It almost sounds like it belongs on the Virginia side. Maybe, things, maybe. You know? Except it's happening here, and that, yeah. that's sort of what we've been saying a lot about the local stuff. Is that uh, when you say local in DC, it's almost, it's invariably like punk, hardcore, like and hip hop. If like some people, but you never hear of this like more folky. Uh, Wilco-y stuff like that. You do, but it's over the on the other side. Yeah, of the but town, it's on the right? other side of the river, yeah. so. That's actually one reason I wanted to play it because it is not what what we're exp- yeah. yeah normally when you say local I, I think you're going to put on some priests or something like that yeah. you know what I mean yeah um then you know fine uh, but uh, it does seem like uh I guess I guess it does take some balls to do that sort of thing yeah on this end of thing I, I mean I can't imagine and he's killing it. he's booking gigs like he booked a CD release uh, party at uh, Black Cat. Okay, cool. That's that's now that's kind of interesting to hear because yeah. normally like when you hear music like that you're thinking oh well he's going to be at Iota. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if, if they're actually bringing him into the Black Cat then you know good yeah. on him man. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll, getting we'll... getting establishing a little non non hard rock beachhead yeah. in the DC area <laughs> I guess, you know. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking to Steve uh, actually pretty soon. We're going to try to set something up uh, tomorrow, but I don't think we can do that. But uh, soon, before okay. I think talk about the whole album, talk about his project. I, I want to know more sure. about what he's doing. I'd be interested in hearing what else is going on on that record. Yeah. You know, definitely. 
Well, I'll send it to you. Okay. I'll check it out. Stop yeah. by when he comes by. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like, fuck you, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, dipping our toes in that. But I guess now, uh, dip our toes in something else. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know. Uh, let's three white guys talking about D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. I, I like D'Angelo. <laughs> So that is the lead-off single from, I, I'm trying to think, except for My Bloody Valentine, really, at least in the music press, an album that was more like anticipated, wanted for 15 years. I don't know that it was anticipated as much as it was just like a pleasant surprise for everybody. No, I think it was. Really? People were like, where the fuck is the end? Well, exactly. That's the point. I think, so, I think people had given him up for dead or something. Uh, you know? The name of the album is uh, Black Messiah. We mm-hmm. started hearing rumors about this around about 2012. Um, on the record, you've got Questlove, which everybody knows. Uh, Pino Palladino, which if you don't know, uh, what do you play with? Nine? Mm-hmm. Bass player for Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Who? Uh, you know that song, Every Time You Go Away? Yeah, yeah. That fucking, yeah. That's, that's, about, that's yeah. the guy who no, made that. No, he's amazing, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and uh, Roy Hargrove is, is on there, too. He's a jazz trumpeter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, D'Angelo, in about 2000, um, he's put out an album in 1995 called Brown Sugar, which is out in line with the type of stuff that was coming out then. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a little hiatus in 2000, comes out with Voodoo. Right. Uh, which about the time was uh, Terrence Darby doing stuff around that time. Terrence when, when Trent was, Darby's career was pretty much dead by then. Was yeah, it dead by yeah. then? So he was early nineties. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was early nineties. Okay. It, and the reason I'm bringing it up like because Wishing it, Well was like 1989, I think. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking eighties. Okay. But after yeah. that, he made an album that was really, and it's sort of analogous to this. The reason I'm bringing it up is really sort of. Uh, experimental and weird. They were like, "Whoa, why is this soul guy making this weird album and stuff?" Um, it had a few hits off that, but it was the third single, uh, "Untitled." How does it feel? Uh, which you know, it, it blew up his career and uh, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, in large part, though, because of the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, which if you haven't seen it, we'll put a link. But essentially, it's him what naked. From yeah, the waist up and just standing there, uh-huh. and that's it. Yeah, and singing this song. It's one of the rare 
points where I think a video making making boyfriends feel shitty about themselves yeah. nationwide. Yeah, <laughs> but I was like, man, I'm just never. But you could not turn your lady away from the TV. The, yeah, <laughs> nor should you. I mean, but it was one of the, it was one of the rare times where I think that like a video actually matched the song because the song itself, outside the video, is stellar. Yeah, it's a soul masterpiece. No, it, it is. It, yeah. it is. Um, so he drops that and then disappears. Says, mm-hmm. I don't want any more of this. Uh, I should mention he's from Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, I think he's from like the Jackson Ward. Yes, area. he's from Jackson Ward area. Yeah. Um, so never left really Richmond, Virginia. Still down there. Yeah, still down there. But uh, spent some time uh, doing some of the drugs that you can find in Richmond, Virginia. Which you, yeah, it's like uh, getting buying, some of the DUIs you can get in Richmond, Virginia. You can get uh, drugs basically. in Richmond. That's like getting peanuts at a fucking baseball game. And so, so like, like get I, your drugs here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like I said, you know, this this has been a long road out of that, and it sounds like personal like healing on his part to the point where he. He decided it was time to make an album. Right. Uh, there, there are rumors that this album was actually uh, sort of rushed, uh, that it might not have come out at the end of this year, because this dropped, what, after Christmas? No, before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, right before Christmas. Um, but he was uh, sort of inspired by the events that we've seen in the press, um, cops shooting kids in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or in multiple or, other places. Yeah. Um, so we're talking Michael Brown and Eric Garner and NYC, uh, and it makes sense because there's a, a highly political aspect to this album. Mm-hmm. But for better or worse, um, it came out and you know left everybody with the question. And I think this was asked in the press a lot: like, is this one of the greatest soul masterpieces to come along in years? So let's uh, start there. Well. <laughs> Let's let's talk about where soul music is now. Is there even any soul music left? I don't think there is. I think mm, it's more R and B. I think yeah. there's more. It's more R and B. I think it's more hip hop. Mm-hmm. I think um, when you're talking about soul, generally speaking, I think that's it's unfortunately sort of mutated into divas. Yep. It's more a female thing with divas kind of doing mm-hmm. their kind of vocal acrobatics and, and that whole thing, you know. Um, and so, in the traditional sense, I don't think there's been a soul. I don't think I don't think we even know what that is anymore. Right. Uh, I don't think I don't think that that genre. I mean, if, if it, it not to piss on this album, but it would be easy to call it the best soul masterpiece of the modern era, because as far as I'm concerned, it seems like the only soul record of the modern a era. A couple of years ago, yeah. I think it was 2012, uh, Raphael Sadiq okay. had a really good one, um, stuff like that. I think you, there's mentioned, that, you there, mentioned some um, recently. There's yeah. a uh, Scottish guy as well, man. Um, Scottish. No, I'm, I'm not. No, no. That sounds <laughs> Is that movie? The, the uh, what was that movie? Shit. The 90s. Oh. Commitments. Commitments. Yeah, but that but that was kind of like, that was just more of the same. I mean, yeah. that was just a, a, like a rehash of, of old music done in the same style, basically. And it kind of reminded. Just like Michael Bolton. Right. Well, no, but you know what I mean? It reminded <laughs> like the, the, like that, the commitments just reminded everybody how good that kind of music right. was. Yeah. And there was, there was, I think there was a time like in the mid nineties or something when, uh, you know, Al Green, like everyone was buying Al Green's greatest hits, you know, that they did a retrospective. Sure. I mean, and, yeah. And that kind of thing. I but, think with that in the last couple of years, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about St. Paul and the Broken Bones, but I mean, that is some, 
<laughs> you're rolling your eyes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought that was a pretty good album. Uh, I think his live, yeah, he's does. got a, he's yeah. got a live Spotify album that is fantastic in my opinion. Yeah. He's doing good work. And there are, there are people like that doing good, good work. And uh, then I like the, Curtis Harding. There's a lot of though with like St. Paul and Broken Bones people. Some, some people scream cultural appropriation, but that's neither here nor the there. The Scottish guy, by the way, is named Paolo Natini. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. so, but he's from Scotland, man, yeah. you know? So in, in terms, but yeah, in terms of like traditional, soul there it's it's been pretty dry yeah you know no i think i think that what you're talking uh, should clarify how we're defining soul i, I think we're, we're reaching back to like you know late 60s early 70s mm-hmm. uh stuff like marvin gay sure like sliding the family stone that mean, type of stuff you mean you mean okay. martin gay I mean, I mean Martin. <laughs> no marvin's his brother he yeah, made some really good albums yeah <laughs> um you know martin gay has a brother he does <laughs> uh but yeah so getting back to that type of stuff and I mean, uh, so in that respect, yeah, I, I don't know that there's been a lot coming out like that. Uh, the politicization of that was going on in that music, I think, moved pretty squarely to hip hop and rap. Sure, mm-hmm. like the, um, the the idea was with with cities on fire, you couldn't just do love songs anymore. You had to yeah. actually say something, right? Right. You know, and so here we have D'Angelo who. Wasn't I mean there might have been some politics in his music and stuff, but here we have this thing where he drops an album that like deals in equal parts uh, Al Green, uh, Martin Gay, <laughs> Martin Gay, yeah, yeah. Uh, as it does Public Enemy, right. as it does Prince, sure. Um, like I don't necessarily need to classify it as a soul no record at all, no. But it, it but it almost feels like he doesn't. D'Angelo doesn't, this doesn't feel like an R&B record is the thing, you know, this doesn't feel at all like an R&B record. Um, you know, the, the production is not nearly as slick Mm -mm. as your average R&B record. Um, you know, you can tell he's writing his own songs. A lot of these R&B guys, they're, they're, you know, they're pretty much the same as country and that the songs are written for them, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and this, he, I don't know. It, it took a lot of balls to put this record out. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a lot of balls mm-hmm. because there's, there's not, there's nothing like predictable at all about any of the songs on this. And no. even that, even that first single we played, um, you know, Sugar Daddy. Yeah. That's like, I was hard pressed to find like traditional structure in that song. Right. And a lot of songs on this record. Actually, speaking of another one, let's, let's hear a song real quick because there's another one. This is this is probably the most political song on okay. A Thousand Deaths. Sure. This is a, and, I mean, sure, the guy who plays bass on this played in nine and, like, he had people, but on a solo, I don't know where this came from. Yeah. But uh, this, this is a, a Thousand Deaths. So sure. When I say
So that, that starts with a full minute of I, I was saying it was Chris Rock. It's not <laughs> I cop to my mistakes, my yeah. ridiculous ideas. No. Uh, but it is an unattributed uh, sample of a preacher. Uh, but that's a full like minute and a half before anything comes in. And then you have his, his voice buried beneath this weird like techno funk groove. That's the thing. Um Yeah. And but I think the the key lies in this um, thing is, is a coward dies a thousand times, but a soldier dies just once, uh, which really gets to like uh, the politicization of this album. I mean, in the liner notes, he says um, the title is about the world. It's about the idea we can all aspire to. We should all aspire to be a black messiah. It's about people rising up in Ferguson and in Egypt and in Occupy Wall Street and every place where a community has had enough and decides to make change happen. Mm. Now. That is a very lofty, possibly pretentious statement to say about your own album. Sure. I'm not sure he achieves it. No, because, I mean, let's be honest, for a lot of it, you can't understand the lyrics at all. Right. Mm. Uh, the lyrics are buried to the point where, you know, I mean, people like people aren't going to rise up and follow a guy they can't understand. That's, <laughs> that's my complaint know, about the, the entire whole. album. I can't. I mean, I I can't understand what he's singing. The right. clean, there's no clean singing, mm -hmm. and I can't understand it. I mean, musically, it's great, but I don't know yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, that for that song, that song actually works for me because you do get snippets up out of it and stuff pops out, little lyrics and stuff. But you, you feel like, and this, this album certainly works for me more musically, you feel that more, and you feel that feels like old public enemy. That feels like there's a fucking riot going mm -hmm. on, and we're going to start some shit. Yeah. And that's the second song on the album. But the, I was just thinking of it in terms of – it's interesting to me just in terms of the structure of it or even, like, lack thereof. Because, yeah. you know, the, the, particularly with A Thousand Deaths, I mean, you know, it's it's sloppy. It's yeah. sloppy as shit, but it, and it works somehow. Yeah. I don't know how it works, <laughs> but it does. Like, I mean, like, if, if I were in the studio with this thing at the mixing desk – and, you know, I isolated the guitar. It would probably sound like half-assed yeah. kind of guitar center stuff, yeah. you know. And um, well, but somehow but somehow when you put it all together, somehow when you put the, like these kind of sloppy parts together, it works. Yeah. D'Angelo is notably a, a fucking fantastic guitar. No, no. Yeah, yeah, he is. I'm sure. I'm not I mean, I'm not saying he's not just saying it seems like a lot of the stuff on this record is um He's not he's not following any particular form. I mean, aren't you kind of hard pressed when you listen to a lot of these mm -hmm. um, to say, like, well, that's a verse and that's a chorus Absolutely. and that's a bridge. Right. And that's like I can't because I can't do that on right. any of these songs, really. You know, and and the fact that, you know, Sugar Daddy was kind of like the single, you know, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But again, there's there's no clear marker even on that one, you know, Um like that particular that first single we heard, Sugar Daddy, yeah. you know, that's got like that kind of three over two, right? Like like you know, Dixie well, Cups feel. But um, I feel I feel like his music has always had a little bit of grease to it. Yeah. No. And, it, well, and another is, thing. And this that's, is grease and looseness, and I think it, it's a weird thing that like that's not easy to do. It isn't. It's a different from being sloppy. It's but it it 
it, it sounds like it's about to come apart. Right, but it never does. But it never does. But he's, you know, the, that was another, like the first song on this on this album, it's uh, the first track is called Ain't That Easy, mm-hmm. you know, and there's that choir in there, which is like kind of in keeping with his Pentecostal yeah. upbringing. And like he did this a lot on black, on uh, on voodoo as well, because he's never been like chained to the beat. And you can hear... Um, when he's doing his singing, you can hear him like kind of just detaching himself from the beat to the point where it almost feels like he's going to just drop out of time altogether. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so that's that's kind of what's amazing about him. It, it, it's like um, he just sort of does whatever the fuck he wants, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's sloppy, and sometimes it's it's barely cohesive, and and he's not like anchoring himself to any kind of traditional song structure no. but somehow it's working here and i don't know how the hell it's working if but, i tried to do that it would sound like just a bag of shit you know yeah. like a bag of shit being lit on fire is what it would yeah, sound yeah, like yeah. If, if i but, uh, you know i think what's interesting is is that it is definitely um it's all over the map as far as like musical history mm-hmm. um you go from like i've said public enemy you go to the old soul to like prince <clears throat> to uh you know even some you can hear I could hear Rage Against Machine coming, sure, you know, and doing that stuff, um, and all this arguably, like I said, packaged into a, into a soul album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has the spirit of if you listen to like I was listening to like what's going on earlier today, mm-hmm. uh, it definitely had like the hit, the title track, but everything else in that album, it's a it's a weird fucking album, right? It's basically like Marvin Gaye talking to Martin, right? <laughs> no. uh, you know, just talking about like these problems and stuff and occasionally he'll sing and it pops up and stuff sure very much i, I mean i can't see I, I mean obviously like his career has been influenced by him but i can't see like them not sitting down while they're making this and having stuff like that being influenced well i was i also i was listening to it and thinking got it i mean it's a good thing he's got the studio guys that he's got because it must have been pretty confusing huh. to, to put this stuff down yeah do you know what i mean because like as i was saying there isn't there doesn't seem to be like like a traditional structure of any kind in mm-hmm. here, almost to the point where you need a guy like Questlove or you need, uh, you know, the bass player, um, Pino Paladino. Yeah. Like you, you need Paladino, um, because there aren't any markers. It's right. like, it's just like, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's hard for me to even describe it. There's, right. there's, there's no traditional structure on any of this stuff. So, you know? so, so Bruner, Outside of the vocals, mm-hmm. do you like anything about it? I think it's an incredible. The music is incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was paying attention to a lot of the bassline. I didn't know there was Pino Palladino. Yeah. Um, he's an incredible uh, bass player. Yes, I, he is. And I, I mean, I, I actually listened to this album without knowing who played on it. Yeah. So I didn't know about Questlove. Didn't know about Pino. Didn't know about Palladino. Um, now that I you think, know that, you, like, you, like I think it's the third track. You can hear Questlove, and it's just like, oh, that's Questlove. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like this, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I um, I think musically, it's a great album. I just um, I don't know if I want to say the the vocals are off putting, right? But it's like, I need it to. I need a. I need it to change up a little bit, or something, just so I can. I don't know. It just it it got old for me really quick. Let me let me ask. What was your? Did you have any preconceived notion going into the album? What you, uh, to you told me it was going to impregnate my car. 
It's like this is going to reverse my vasectomy and enable me to like something that would enable say. me to impregnate my car. I don't know if I want to sure. listen to this. Um, yeah, no, I didn't have any preconceived notions. I mean, I the, I I listened to it because I made a promise to you that I would listen to everything you send to me in yes, 2015. So that's why I listened to it. Yeah. So and I didn't want to miss out on anything good this year, yeah. like I did last year. So. Um, I mean, it's it's a good album. I don't think it's going to be my. It's not going to be my best of two thousand. Is there a song that you would recommend? Because I think we're getting we should play another song here. Uh, God, I wish I I was listening to it on my way to and from work last night. Uh-huh. I want to say it was either the third or fourth song on the album. I can't remember a name because I was driving and not my looking guess, at my phone. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, third, the charade, which is uh, essentially. It's basically mid '90s Prince, but it also, right. you know, honestly, it almost. I found myself thinking, like, what did fucking Tom York produce this or something? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Well, let's hear the charade and come back to that. Okay, okay. Right, so. So, so we were talking about a few things to break. Uh, first thing I'm going to say, that song makes me want to fucking roller skate backwards. Maybe. <laughs> like, just go yep. fucking free skate, get out there, the limbo's out and shit. But it's just it's just a straight up, like, it's just a jam. And it, it's stuff that Prince was very, very good at right. uh, that a lot of people didn't hear. It's And it, it obviously didn't kill Prince's career. True. But mm-hmm. it was the stuff that as he got further away from Purple Rain and more into, like, this 
very produced, very poppy stuff. You'd have whole albums of that. Mm-hmm. And it would just confuse people. And it would confuse people. And it's not great to listen to a whole album of that, you know? Yeah. That's the only song I think that really sounds like that on this album. Mm. I don't know. Again, I think one of the one of the and I don't want to say it's a problem, because it's not necessarily a problem. It just is what it is. But mm. it's like technically speaking, I don't know, this might be a shitty kind of way of putting it, but technically speaking, songs are and there's no law about this, but right. just just so you let the audience know what's going on or let the listener go know what's going on. Traditionally speaking, like being a song is supposed to be like driving through Europe in the sense that like you drive three hours, you hit another country, you got to show your passport and you move into the next country. And you're like, OK, we were here and now we're there, you know, and this is like just driving through the States. Where you don't have to show, there's no, there's no sign. Like okay. you, you, and you fell asleep and missed the sign that said you're moving into from Arizona into Utah, yeah. and you wake up and you're in Utah. Does that make any sense? I don't know if it does. No, but it's a, it's like there's no, like the the choruses and the verses and in in a sense that there are any are implied mm-hmm. rather than given to you. You know, and that that one is it, it's I, I don't know if that's like more jazz structure or more like. I mean, you're right. That one, we were trying to count it off. Yeah. It's like pre-chorus, build, and then a, literally a one-line chorus. That's the that's the thought. Like right. from a writing standpoint, you have your subject, and that, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then it just dropped off into a weird bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hear that, and, and I perceive that as challenging. Like, And I, I, I don't look for uh, necessarily a strict song structure right. because I, I think – more often than not, people don't do it well. Yeah. Like how many like really good pop songs have you heard? How many good pop songs did you hear last year? Yeah, probably not That you were just many. like, fuck yeah, that's just a good pop song. Like not a lot. Because people fuss it up and stuff. But you can go on the other end of the spectrum where people like do shit like this and really fuck it up. Right. They're like we're going to say this and then we're going to fart and then you're going to like. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I know what you mean, man. I'm just. Uh, and, and again. There's no law that says there has to oh. be a total structure and, and, you know, there's no law that says he has to spoon feed everything to us, no. you know, um, and I don't have a problem with what he's doing. I'm just saying it is, the, it is there. It's like, it, it is challenging. It's hard to just pick this stuff up, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I, I couldn't imagine playing this to like, say a, a, a 13 year old boy. Right. And having him be like, oh, okay, he'd probably he'd probably look a little confused. Well, you know, now you brought up Tom York. Yeah, it feels it does. Honestly, there's some of the stuff where it feels like Tom York or or somebody sort of completely nonlinear is producing this, you know. So is it safe to say that 13 year old boy maybe has been raised listening to stuff like this? Well, that's here's another thing that, that, that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this this album um, in terms of being raised like. You know, D'Angelo spent the first 10 years of his life and I think I even know where that community is. Right. Man. You know, that weird kind of like I don't I don't want to say they're weird, but they're like this Pentecostal community. In uh, Richmond? Yeah, I know exactly. where. Yeah. Is. And like they don't they don't they don't really socialize. No. You know, they're kind of in their own community. Right. And so and like I, I think D'Angelo spent the first 10 or 12 years of his life like growing up and being raised in that. So I think like a lot of the it feels like a lot of the the programming you know, the, the vocabulary of certain types of popular music yeah, yeah. didn't necessarily like show up in his, did, he didn't, he didn't pick up the, the standard programming that all of us got, yeah, yeah, when yeah. It, particularly when it comes to music, you know, which is good. Yeah, honestly. that's true. But it all, but it also, it, I think it also affects 
what he's doing. And I think it's always affected what he's doing. And so I think like as a result of that, I don't think he, he feels the need to, to kind of adhere to the standard rules that the rest of us are, are, are with. And, and once you, once you realize that, you know, it it does take a little getting used to, Mm -hmm. you know? So isn't that though what makes a good album? Sometimes, sometimes it can make an incomprehensible Mm -hmm. mess, Yeah, you know? Um, did, did you have a song that like you liked off this? Yeah, actually, I'll tell you what. You know what I thought was great, man. I really liked uh, "Real Love." Okay, um, because I thought that was a really yeah. I, I, it was the first time I'd ever heard like Spanish flamenco guitar, you know, on an album like that, and I thought it was a cool transition from that. And, and again, there are a lot of songs on this album that I yeah. liked, but I did like "Real Love" a lot. It's funny because I, I heard that and I heard like this could be a Van Morrison song, right? Right. Um, but let, let's play a little bit of that here. This is a uh, "Really Love," actually. By Martin Gay. <laughs> Beast by B. Angelo. I'm just fucking up by, by Bob Angelo. I'm just fucking up all over the place today. <laughs> I'm a man in love with you. I'm a man in love with you. I'm a man in love with you. 
Straight, straight up an R&B jam. Yeah, that's the, and it's one of the ones where the vocals you can hear them more, I think, than most songs on the record. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, it's and not. they're up, and and I think for people uh, who might have had expectations, that would be what they're looking for. Right. But then again, he throws that flamenco guitar in there out of left field in the beginning. Sure. That, that gives you. You're like, huh? Yeah. What? You know, and it wouldn't have surprised me at all if he didn't. I mean, when I was listening to it, I honestly wasn't expecting a standard to. Right. I wasn't. And you could have stripped everything out of that and just had that and him singing. Yeah. And it's it's like, it'd still be like, that'd be the standard R&B jam. Right. And it's all these stuff around. Now, you got to remember, too, this is not necessarily a just a D'Angelo album. It's D'Angelo and the Vanguard. Right. So that that is one thing when uh, the complaints about his vocals being so buried, it's like it. My personal opinion is that it's a lot of it's intentional. Right. Um, is meant to do soundscapes and you know and subvert that idea that here comes this singer who's got this great voice and uh, he's not going to do some standard standard and he's not going to do some shit. standard yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of hyperbole and uh, with this album, um, and I, I generally shy away from hyperbole, but this time I I think I actually get on board with a good bit of it. Um, I don't I, – I think it is – there's – parts of it are too based in pop for it to be as important as necessarily the creators of this thought it was. Right. As important as – I mean if you – like the song Another Life is is specifically referencing the uh, the Chai Lights. Have you seen her? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't hear that and not hear that, which is a great fucking song. Right. Uh, it also, weirdly enough, I was listening to today and I was like – that sounds like something off of uh, Donald Fagan's Kamakuria. Yeah. <laughs> which I fucking love. Right. Um, but it, it is, uh, despite the um, all the hubbub around it and stuff, I, it, I, it's like it's certainly, you know, getting back to answering the question I asked at the, the top of it, it's certainly, I, I don't know if it stands on the level of something like what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. But maybe. On the level of something like uh, back to Radiohead, something like Kid A, sure, something completely. It does. Yeah. It's a completely. It's a non-linear album, man. It really is. That's there's there's nothing there's nothing standard about this album at all. And I mean that's that's the one thing is he's just brave as shit to put this thing out there because yeah. it, it, it you know balls the size of church bells, man. Because there's nothing. There aren't like hooks. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? No. There aren't like hooks on this. This is I would all I would say this is like this is like a fucking this is a concept album. Sure, is what this is. Yeah. And when was the last time you heard like an R and B concept album? Well, the concept is in his statement right. that I read earlier. I mean that that is is it. But and when I say concept album, I don't mean like Kilroy was here by Sticks or some <laughs> some horse shit like that. Do you right, know what I mean? Right, or right, Tommy, right, right? You know, but but um, it's it's uh, it's not a standard. Uh, it's not a standard record, and you know, D'Angelo's not like a standard guy. Yeah. I mean, like, there's nothing about him that, I mean, the the 
the battlefield is strewn with the corpses of, of all these kind of singers who've put out six albums, really popular albums. Yeah. Like, uh, since D'Angelo put out his last one, Yep. you know, and, and I don't know, man, he's, he's, he's in a class by himself. And, uh, this is, this is definitely worth listening to. It's mm. challenging and you have to really think about it. It's not something you can just put on and ignore. Yeah. You know, if you want to get it, you have to work at it. And so it's a good way to end 2014 or start 2015, right. I think. Absolutely. If, if more albums come out like this in 2015, if more albums come out like this, period. Right. Like, I've, I've heard a good chunk of what we've got coming up in the next month mm-hmm. uh, that we'll be talking about. And most of them bore me to tears. You know one I'm talking about. It bores you to tears, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you sent me three this say week. It. I'm trying to. Yeah, it begins yeah. with a B. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, uh, so if, if people can do, can do more work like this and if people are inspired by hearing this, um, be like, oh shit, we really can do whatever the fuck we want. Cause I think people have gotten away from that. Right. Uh, then, and there's nothing wrong with writing a great fucking rock song, a great soul song and say, but you got to make it great. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, the landscape you're competing on now, you know, you're bitching about Spotify and shit. Well, that's that's your audience, right? Exactly. But I mean, you know, and fuck, man. Here's 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 to more challenging music. Yeah. You know, here's to more challenging music. There's nothing. Um, you know, it's like you're not. I don't think you're really a music. You, you like music, but you're not a music fan. If if you get easily confused and bored with something, if like this is this. I think Zappa put it is like most music listeners are kind of like where's the tune is it a tune does it sound like other tunes that i like good (laughs) you know um and so it classify yeah and and it's really nice to have something out there that that um kind of strayed from standard formulas and and didn't make you know where the hooks and the even the choruses are implied rather than given to you you know um and he was taking a lot of different uh elements from a lot of different places like you know, that, that song we were talking about earlier, uh, hold on, sorry, man. I got the track listing in front of me, and I don't have it memorized, but um, there were just these great little... Uh, Which, another Life? Um, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the single, Sugar Daddy. Yeah. There, it's like, it's got that kind of three over two, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dixie Cups feel. And it also has these awesome little, like, like just those yeah. little, like, three-second horn yeah. riffs. And the horns sound completely old-fashioned. The horns sound like, you know, uh, like something you get off some like 1930s, 78 jazz record or something. And it's great that he just said, okay, well, I'll take that and put that in there. You know, um, he's clearly in a situation where he can do whatever, whatever he wants. And he isn't taking advice from, from any kind of suit wearing motherfucker. And, and great. More of that, please. Yeah. You know, so so, so what are you going to do with the album? I'm going to buy it. Are you going to buy it? I'm going to buy it. Yeah. It's going to take me a while. Like I'm, I'm buying it because I feel like I should. And it's been a while since someone has made me uh, work at it, yeah. you know, and I'm a jazz, you know, I love jazz. You're, jazz you're yeah. supposed to work at jazz, you know, um, but it's been a while since there's been some kind of like, I mean, I guess rock music or R&B music or soul music that's that's really kind of made me have to think about it, you know, and work at it. And yeah. So this one, this one's fitting the bill. I'll get it. You know, right. I'll buy it. Bruno, what, what are you thinking? I have to listen more before I uh, commit to buying it. I mean, right now it's a stream. To stream it? Yeah. I mean, I uh, this is a new thing for me. Like yeah. Soul, I mean, I didn't even listen to D'Angelo 
This, brown this sugar. is going to be a year Sturgill Simpson this year. Oh God, I don't know about that, man. That's that's a that's 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 a big statement. I don't know about that, but yeah. I, I need to listen to it more and I need to let it grow on me. Yeah. So play it with the lady. Uh, possibly. Possibly. Maybe. Possibly. See, She's coming see over tonight. Happens. Maybe that. Yeah, maybe that'll, that'll happen. You know. Maybe that'll. You know. <laughs> just have her walk in. Like you got to put put on Actually, the shirt. Send me over. texts like you usually do. In your state. State of mind. If I get a text tonight, like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> yeah. no, just have her come in. Like you, you, you unbutton your shirt, like down, down to like around like the middle of your stomach. Light some candles, and when she comes in, just be like, uh, hey baby. <laughs> you know. And who knows? Um, you might be. Like, this is the greatest goddamn album I've ever heard in my life. Or then she might look at you and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That might that might happen, too. I, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm obviously, uh, with Adam, I'm going to buy it. This this is the type of music that really hits my brain right. It's like crack. It sets it off. It's what I wish more people were doing. It's what I wish people, uh, and this isn't really, t- people who are really into St. Vincent and say that she's doing the genius shit. Like, I wish... Like she was doing something like this that I could latch onto, and and because this is a like this is right now beyond and more ambitious than it's certainly more ambitious than anything that came out last year. Uh, we don't know what's going to come out this year, uh, and it's not a comfortable listen. Uh, and in that, it it becomes one of the most interesting listens. It's like you know reading, you know something that. It's hard to get through, like an infinite jest, like a, uh, you know, any pinch on novel, like inherent vices out in theaters. Now you can go see the movie, but if you try to read the book, you know, it's pinching is dense. You got to work on them. You got to work on them. But at the end of the day, those that working on that shit is is rewarding, mm-hmm. and I think that's what exactly this does. So I won't go as far as say masterpiece. Um, it's like the fish that you catch tastes way better than the fish that you go to the store and buy. Yep. That's the point. Yep. You know, you put some effort into it, man. It will reward you. Yep. You know? So, so if you're into that sort of thing, I, I would say, uh, definitely listen to this album. And then, uh, yeah. So that is about our podcast for this week. Uh, if you want to know more about stranger than out, Steve Shapley, we're going to put uh, a link in the show notes there. Won't link to the track because the album's not out yet. Okay. So you have to listen to the podcast. Uh, I know we've got a couple, uh, big releases this week. They're, they're all going to be rolling in some Decemberists. I don't know if we're going to talk about it because that album's fucking boring. Another uh, <laughs> there. Uh, Bell and Sebastian uh, is coming out, uh, which is too big to ignore a little bit. Uh, I once read an article from the Decemberists where they go where the the the, the writer was like so. You listen to a lot of Camper Van Beethoven, right? And yeah. They, and they were like, no, of course not. Uh, no, I, I don't know. It's, it's actually not boring. We probably will we'll mention it, but uh, it, it's not um, It's not their finest hour. Uh, Sleater Kinney is going to be an interesting one coming up. Uh, so that's going to be coming up. The Amazing this month. Yeah, I might sit that one out because me and Paul will end up going at it. And I've never, because I've never been a really you, big You can't sit that out fan. because me and Paul are going to go at it and you want to be here to see this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me and Daria might go at it. Yeah. She might wander downstairs. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, interviews are going to be kicking off slow this year. I know we're going to be talking to uh, Israel Nash uh, coming up in about two weeks. If you guys haven't heard him, Neil Young called. He wants his vibe back. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's amazing. Uh, Israel Nash's Rain Plains. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's about it. So, Bruner, come back often as much as you can. Uh, Adam, I know I'll see you down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I think I figured out the long way to end the podcast. It's like, 
You don't have to go home to your lawn, but you can't stay on ours. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> That's not a bad one. So there you go. Uh, we will talk to you in about a week. Okay. See you later. All right, man. See you.